So this topic is about how to make money on, on part-time buildings. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the supers find it uh, profitable. You know, it's like an extra gig, a side gig, where they can make money on, on the side with these part-time buildings, whether mm -hmm. they're an art resident manager or someone that's looking for part-time buildings. But mm -hmm. they end up, um, a lot of people end up um, in situations where they choose a building that may not be profitable for them. So. Mm -hmm. What, what I would like to talk about on this topic is, look, there's a lot of buildings out there that have these part-time part -time gigs. They need these part-time gigs. A lot of brownstones, a lot of smaller buildings, a lot of buildings that don't have live-in supers need, need these, need these part-time supers. But the, the, the key here and the trick is to find ways to make it profitable for you. You know, a lot of these buildings can can um, provide a super with great additional income. But, um, so I made a list of, of the top things that you would need to make sure that um, you walk away with money in your pocket versus breaking even or not making, you know, losing money. Even breaking even is not, a lot of times it may not be worth it because why would you want to do all this work and all of a sudden at the end of the day you are right back where you started financially. Right, so um, uh, I'm here with Jennifer to help me uh, kind of answer these questions for for uh, the supers. Also, um, Jennifer and I work together on on uh, on these buildings that come in, and we're constantly assessing whether they're they can be profitable, they can work for our. Are the, the superintendents and the porters in our net network because nothing makes us more happy than to provide opportunities that put money in the pockets of our of our um, of our superintendents and our part-time supers and our part-time porters, and nothing makes us happier than helping them um, uh, create like great agreements with these landlords. And we do that also. Like we we're. As a as Spark Super, we provide. You know, we we've been in this business for about a decade, and we've been working with part-time super buildings, and we've been placing supers and porters with these buildings that need part-time supers, and we found ways that um, uh, that can profit and work really well for for our supers, and um, we want to pass that information along, pass those tips. So, I guess, I guess. So, what what's the first thing that you get when you? Um, when these offers come in, so I, so when let's say you're, um, you're in the Upper West Side, and let's say a building on the on the uh, on the East Side comes in, um, is that profitable? Can, I mean, is is that? Well, I, I think that's probably the wrong way to, way to put it. So let's say a building comes in. So, what, what are the first things that you look at to see if it's profitable? I mean, first, uh, isn't it? obvious that you see how much you're going to get for the job? Yeah, I mean, see how much it is. Yeah, I guess that's the first thing that you look at is, mm -hmm. is but sometimes you don't, I mean, let's say the building comes out with an offer says he's going to pay you $500 a month mm -hmm. for that building. I mean, the first thing is like, it's hard to tell whether that's going to be worth it or not, right? But one of the factors that goes, should go into whether $500 a month works is number one, I would say, is break it down into weeks, right? So 500 
roughly broken down into four weeks is 125 mm-hmm. right per week mm-hmm. and so now you're looking at 125 per week you're looking at um, the next thing that you know, uh, look at is whether this building is is near you I mean it, because for part-time uh, supers what kills the most time or what what kills their profit is travel time so having a having to go to a building that's far away from you um, let's say you know, and, and that's all relative right how fast you know how far it is away from you is depending upon whether you're a biker whether you have a car whether you know different situations but I would say if in Manhattan either way you look at it um, whether you're a biker or, or whether you drive a car, you got to look at, uh, you know, uh, driving a distance to this building and then having to find parking. Or even if you're on a bike, like during the wintertime, you know, when it's snowing, you're realistically not going to be able to ride a bike. So you're going to have to ride a train. So that travel time, considering that travel time all year round, is going to help you determine whether it's worth it or not for you. Because if you're, um, if the building is too far away and you, you're spending half an hour to get down there whether it's by train or by bike or by car and a half an hour back that's gonna that's an hour of your prop you know hour of your profit that you've you've eaten away at so it's not it's not the best deal for you um or you you have to take that into consideration of whether 125 per week so how how do you let's break it down into the steps um so you're getting 125 per week you got to break that down into three days per week at least that these buildings need you to take out the trash and recycling, right? So um, we have uh, 125 divided by three is $41 per, uh, you know, 66 cents. So $41 and 66 cents per visit, right? right. So if you're looking Uh-oh. at, if you're looking at $41 and 66 cents to do the garbage, now you're, you're realistically, you're looking at the real numbers, you're breaking it down, you're saying, okay, um, uh, $41.66, um, if I spend two hours there to do trash and recycling and, and uh, let's say the cleaning of the front sidewalk because that's something that they're going to expect you to do and maybe taking care of the vestibule, wiping down the glass, if that's two hours, you've made, you know, 20 bucks over there, right, and uh, per hour. And so if 20 bucks is okay for you and you think two hours is, is sufficient time three times a week, then by all means, that's, that's not a bad deal. But um, this is where your uh, experience helps when you're, you know, is two hours, is two hours enough for you to take on this building? Will two hours be enough for you to take um for you to cover all the things that the building needs because the last thing you want to do is have the building unhappy with your services you want to you want to do your work you want to do it well so uh if 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 you're looking at 125 per week and 41 dollars per visit and experience tells you that this building is going to take you know, more than two hours, then that's where you're starting to make less than $20 per hour. You know, you, if it's starting to take three hours or four hours, you've just, if it's taking you four hours, you've just made $10 an hour, 
you know, and <clears throat> that's, that's not a good, I would say, I would steer clear away from there. So if, you're, if your experience tells you that $20 is, is something that, you know, you're not gonna go lower than 20 and 20 is good enough for you and it's gonna take you two hours to do that building every visit, then that's great, right? Um, but if it's gonna take you more than that, that's where you lose money. And then if you consider travel time in there, then, then you've already, you, you've, you've depleted the amount of money that you can earn from that building. So you wanna keep it local, number one, right? So the lesson is keep it, keep your, keep the buildings local, or if you can get a couple or a few part-time buildings in the same area, then, then the more buildings you have in that area that's far, that, that's, that may be far away from you, or travel time, or uh, taking some, some amount of travel time, then that's even better because then you can go there and, and group together this work into a single, um, single visit, you know, all, multiple buildings, and your profit grows from there. But unless you have multiple buildings in that area, I would highly recommend that you um, keep your buildings local, close to you. How about the buildings that are close to my my home, like where I live. Well, if you're a resident manager in a building, um, of a building and you're living there, then the buildings around you is perfect. I mean, um, like I'm a part-time super and I, uh, all my buildings are in Manhattan, but I live in Brooklyn and I get a, get a part-time gig around um, the area that I, that I live, physically live, live in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Then that's, I think that's my fine, home. as long as you're planning on, you know, when you come back home, you have to leave time, plan your day so that when you get back home, you, you have enough time to take care of the buildings that are near to you. And those buildings are great because um, if there's an emergency, you're right there to take care of them. Um, one of the hard aspects of doing a part-time super gig in the city when you live in another borough is emergency calls. If these buildings need you to come in, you're going to have to travel in from your from your home, and this may be in the middle of the night on a holiday when you're at a family outing, um, and that's going to take away from your, I guess, maybe, I would say, job satisfaction because your your personal life should be, you know, should be free and clear of work, you know. So when you get that call and you're eating dinner, and you're having to come out into the city, that's 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 not. Um, that's not a great thing. It's not, you know, you may be paid for you for it, for that emergency call response. You may not be, but. So are you saying it's, it's good or bad? I'm saying it's good because you get to your, it's close to anything that's close to your home where you sleep, um, is, is a good thing. I mm. think because you're able to take care of that building. You're able to take care of the emergency call. So I, I think that's, that's a good thing. So. Okay. So keep it local. So like, um, then what about, um, I get a, get an offer, you know, like I, I ride, let's say, um, train seven, seven train, and it's on the way to my work every day. If the building is like, like three stops before, you know, um, the, where the, my original job, then is that also like an option? Because if, if that's the case, I can stop by, 
stop by when I'm on my way to the building or after I'm done with my buildings and when I'm on my way home, I can I can stop by and do the garbage. Uh, right. What about those options? What do you think? I think anything on the way to the path, you know, sometimes people don't have the luxury to, sometimes people don't have the luxury of working where they, where they live, like live in super. So they have to travel um, to their work. So th along that path, any, any, I guess, job or job opportunity along that path can work out for you. But so I can be strategic about these jobs. Yeah, you like need to be strategic. If, if I can key. create like a roadmap. Yeah, you have to create, you should create a roadmap as to how you're gonna do things. We have some supers on our network, on our team, part-time supers who have a lot of buildings. I think they have like, you know, uh, 12, 10 or 12 part-time buildings. and. You have to, in order to take care of those 12 buildings and they're situated all throughout Manhattan, you have to be really streamlined with how you move because um, you have to be ready. Remember, it, it, part of part-time super work is not some, they don't hire you, some buildings hire you just for taking care of garbage and um, trash, handling the trash and recycling and, and the cleaning. but. Others may hire you also to give access to outside vendors, mm. to be available for residents when they have problems inside the apartments, and you know just for just for supervision of outside vendors, stuff like that. So, if you get a call or if you get a um, uh, you know a call that says the exterminator is coming, um, or the the sprinkler um, inspector is coming, or the FDNY is coming this this month, you you. In order to make this situation work for you, the be in the best way possible, you have to you come plan up with, that out. Sch uh, yeah, schedule like those visits in a way that makes sense on your route, on your daily route. And if you don't, you're going to end up going out of your way and then going back, um, you know, and and having your schedule all over the place. And that's going to be where it's going to drive down your satisfaction job satisfaction okay. and your potential to make money yeah it, it would be nice and for um, other episodes if we talk about how part-time supers in manhattan create their own schedule and stuff like to hear hear it from them oh how they make this yeah how to make the yeah, schedule yeah. that's good yeah how, how they're operating yeah yeah, I think I think I can think of some some supers uh, who we know that have really done that well. So that would be great. But okay, those are the two things um, like being local and like be strategic about about the route, about the route, um, and you have to really break down the the salary into into per hour. Right. Every scale. Break everything down into per hour and use your experiences to calculate or predict how many hours it mm. will take. I which see. brings us to the third thing, which is how how to keep your profits, keep it profitable is be clear with the with the scope of work um, with your with your customer, who is the client, who is your who's a landlord or the co-op board, condo board. The reason is that um, the clearer you are and, the, and that 
at, um, the clearer you are with where your job begins and where, where your job ends, you can keep that customer, the client, from making you do more things that were not part of the original agreement. And that could take away your time later on. And some of these jobs could have been profitable for you where you could have charged extra for that. And, it, and you should because it's value that you're providing. But a lot of times when that line is murky in the beginning, when you sign up for, for a building, there's different, there may be different expectations as to what your responsibilities are. They may think that it, you originally agreed to you know, take care of toilet clocks where you may not have. They may originally have thought that you were there to take care of the emergency calls where you didn't expect that or snow clearing where you didn't expect that. And, you, you know, these are jobs that um, you can charge extra for uh, and you can make additional income from these buildings. But, but when those things aren't clear in the beginning, you end up... Um, if not losing out on that money, having tension, creating tension between you and your customer because that wasn't clear. So um, who do I talk to about that? The building manager and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to do only garbage and recycling and everything's, everything's extra. How do I come up? Do I have to, how do I come up with that, um, that, that contract? Like, do I have to make a contract? Well, it's a part-time position, so, like, is, is even a contract really um, necessary? No, I don't, I don't think you need to make a contract. I, I don't think that's necessary. So, verbal think, agreement. Not a verbal agreement. I think it should be written down somewhere. And I think okay. it should be emailed to them where you say, this is, this is um, what I'm going to do. Maybe we can talk about later about how to make that contract and what right. what could be. And also we can make it legally binding. One, you know, uh, we could talk about how to do that if it comes down to that. But often, you know, landlords are, uh, these clients, these boards, they, they can be pretty, they're very reasonable, a lot of these uh, boards. And as long as you make it clear to them that something's outside the scope of work from the beginning, it can be much, e it will be much easier um, down the road and it's more likely that people will be reasonable in the beginning versus later on mm, I see okay so I have to make sure oh I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that I have to tell uh, well write it write an email proper email to to the manager or the board whoever is hiring me right right and okay and that scope of work what kind of jobs I'll be doing, that also kind of connects to the first and second tip that you told, um, you mentioned, uh, which is if I have like five tasks to do in one hour, that's um, that that might be too much, right? Uh, whereas like two tasks in one hour is like much easier. Yeah, I mean, your experience will tell you whether um, certain, you know, how much time it takes. And it depends upon your skill level and your, your, your personal experiences with how you work. And that, the more experience you become, 
the better you will be at gauging how much time you need for a building and imagining what could be the issues that happen. For instance, if a building hires you for emergency and has emergency um, as part of your responsibilities or whether you negotiate a price to cover emergencies, your, your profitability will depend upon knowing, um, knowing what this type of building, what kind of, ex what kind of emergencies this type of building will experience and calculating that into your price. I see. Okay. But like there could be cases where, oh, I thought I could handle all these tasks, but actually it's a little too much for me. Like in that case, what, what should I do? Well, you could, we could talk about, you could always renegotiate. No, nothing's the end of the world. And we could, you know, we can talk about it on another, on another um, topic as another topic. Definitely, you can renegotiate things. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, um, which is why I, I highly re recommend that you think these through in the beginning and you, and you create a, a strong um, boundary. But if, you, if you've made a mistake, you know, then so be it. I would say if you made a mistake, instead of keep on doing what you're doing, and losing money or um, breaking even doesn't hurt to renegotiate that. Uh, just just be honest, right? Just be honest and to renegotiate that. Look, if you're if you're coming out, let's say you're coming out even at the end. Even if you lose the building, you're theoretically not losing anything. If you're coming out even, meaning that if you're if you're making ten bucks and losing ten bucks, and you're ending up with zero, it's it's just the same if you didn't have the building, except you're less tired. That's so true. Actually, I'm losing. You're losing because you're, you're spending your, your energy on, on something that you're not getting a return on. So right. you're not making money on. So in that case, it's better for you to just renegotiate that and not be afraid to lose that building. Because, I mean, realistically, there are times when the building will say, wait a minute. I've hired you to do this, you agree to it, now you're changing the terms, we don't want you anymore. Yeah, but you know, sometimes a lot of supers, you know, we, we feel bad about talking about these things. Right, right. You have a sense of commitment. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you feel bad because you've committed to it. And, yeah. and I want to do well. You know? Yeah, you want to serve. I mean, there's a strong sense of um, serving customer service um, that superintendents have um, that we have and of course we, we don't want to we don't want to renege on the contract an agreement we don't want to we feel bad saying that we're going to do something and then all of a sudden stepping back and saying we can't do it of course everyone a lot of a lot of us feel bad but um, I think the, the, the key to remember is that at the end of the day um, you do you have an obligation to your family to make sure that your energy is being spent wisely you have uh, obligation to yourself to make sure that you're spending your time wisely and you have an obligation to your customer too this helps your customers because think about this if you're if you're spending too much time at a, at one customer because you've misallocated you miscalculated your time and you're losing money on him you're spending energy 
Will you have energy to take care of your other customers? No. Not I'd be properly. Like really tired. And... You'd be really tired, and you're not going to perform your best. So, yeah. You're and and they're <coughs> losing out because you're giving too much of your time to another customer. So why would you? Give too much to one customer and then give too little to another customer. You want to balance that out. Yeah, so it's not not fair for the customers. Not fair for other customers too. So you're actually hurting yourself, your family, and your customers, your customer base. If you're undercharging one custom one one building and you're overcharging another, or if you're charging correctly one building but you're Undercharging another so that it's taking too much time away from you right. to spread because as a, you have to the whole name of the game here is that you got to balance your energy, balance your time, your right. energy, and you have to be properly compensated from properly compensated from from all the buildings, not overcompensated, not undercompensated, but looking at fair compensation. Yeah. Okay. So you want to take it. The first thing is you want to take it local. Um, or keep the buildings together so that your energy is spent. You, you, you want to take away or eliminate it as much travel time as possible. Okay. That's the key. So you eliminate as much travel time as possible by keeping the building local, close to you, keeping it on the path to your work, so that you can stop off um, as you're as you're traveling. You can swing by and take care of it. And you can also take buildings that are close to where you sleep. Because okay. then you're keeping it close to where you rest, and you can leave. And you know, if there's an emergency call, you can take care of that. Or and then know what what I'm responsible of from the building, and you know, it's always negotiable. But be smart about it um, when you start the job, right? When you start, right, right. So at the beginning of the job, when you develop, when you start your relationship with your your client. You want to be clear about the scope of work, and you want to be clear about what you do, what you uh, can do for them uh, as part of your regular duties. That's included in the price, or a- everything that's extra. And the more experience you have, the more uh, you'll know what should be charged extra, what will take extra energy out of you, and um, you get a sense of what should be um, outside that scope of work. But a lot of Part-time supers, especially those that are just getting started, right? Because they want these buildings, they'll promise them everything, and they end up yeah. saying, "I'll do the snow clearing, I'll do," and then it calls. becomes so overwhelming. Right, right. So um, the third thing is uh, um, be clear in the beginning and get the full scope of work. Try to get your hours, um, the the number of uh, or the amount of money per hour that you make. And other tips? I always tell people that look at the whole year when you're negotiating um, your your contract. So if you're negotiating in the summertime, if you found the building in the summertime and you're talking to the landlord trying to get that building, think ahead and think of the worst snow blizzards in the winter when you calculate that price or when you negotiate for what you're going to do. A, lot, a scenario is if a landlord says, Hey, look, can you include snow clearing with your price? And it's summertime and it's the, the hottest part of the summer. You're going to be, you're not going to think about the winter. You're going to, you're going to want that job. You're going to say, yes, right. I'll include it. But 
when the time comes. Happen, yeah. When winter hits and all of a sudden you, you have a, you have a, you know, 24 inch, uh, 36 inch blizzard, um, once in a century blizzard, you're going to realize that you made, you made a pretty, um, shoddy, uh, deal for yourself. So think about the whole year and say, okay, well, I'm not, I, you know, th this will be extra over three inches or something like that. Make a deal where you cover that and make it there. Don't make it later on when you get hit by a blizzard and then you change the terms of your agreement. Also, landscaping, there will be people that want you to do landscaping for their mm -hmm. property. If, in the, if you're in the winter, you're not going to think about cutting the grass or mowing the lawn or hedging, hedge cutting. You're going to be like, okay, yeah, I'll take it because you're not thinking about the summertime. But when summertime hits and you realize how difficult hedging is when you're cutting hedge, trimming hedges, or um, you know uh, pruning trees, you're gonna you're gonna wish that you uh, structured that deal differently. So um, keep that in mind. The next thing is, um, uh, of course, put it down on paper so it's not forgotten. Um, and emails. Emails. Put it down in an email. Uh, memorial. They call it memorialize that. Memorialize the uh, the, the agreement. Um, don't forget your monthly your yearly increases. Don't forget to put that in. A lot of I know actually a great example of a of a of a super who has not raised his price in like twenty years. Wow! And Even he, a slice of pizza goes up. You know, of the course, price. it used to be a, a dollar twenty five. I remember when I was a kid, and now it's of course two seventy five or something like that. But um, everything goes up. MTA goes up. Right. Um, gas goes up, up while well, gas goes up and down, but MTA definitely goes up. There's things that goes up and never comes down. And, um, that's something that subway fares, that's something that you have to calculate, um, when you, or put in, uh, to an agreement when you start a contract, always say that every year there's going to be some sort of increase that goes on. If you feel, um, uh, if people feel, uncomfortable about that you can say and they tell you oh i, I don't want to deal with a huge jump to say it's 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 not going to be a huge jump it's just going to cover you know uh two percent there's something called a consumer um consumer index uh, where there is a measure uh, or percentage given by the government every year which reflects inflation, which reflects the increase in cost. I probably didn't say that right because uh, I forgot what it was. I learned a long time ago. But it's, um, it's basically telling us that every year the cost of living goes up. And that super right now who's charging 2001 pricing has not accounted for all of the increases that we face as consumers in New York City for the past 20 years. So he's he's losing money. So in other words, every every he's making less money on those buildings than he did 20 years ago. Mm. Right? For the same amount of work, if not more, because that area has become hot now and you have a lot of people moving into that area, but you're making less money on that. So you 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 have less money in your pocket at the end of the day to buy the same goods out there. Mm -hmm. So um, you want to put that in there. Um, so how, how do I put that in? Like Well, just in an email, you could say prices will increase every year. 
I mean, uh, you know, we'll increase maybe, I mean, try to think of a percentage. I mean, everybody, sprinkler companies do that, building, building maintenance companies do that. So vendors and professional companies do that. Yeah. If they have a contract. If they have a contract. Or like a written agreement in this case. Right. In the emails. Mm -hmm. So what is that that I have to Google? Um, what percentage? The percentage? Well, <coughs> so it's usually 2% every year. I w- let me get Is back it? to you on that. On okay. Maybe we can talk, we about, can talk this. about Yeah, because I, I would have to just brush up on my, on my knowledge of that. And I don't, want to, I don't want to say a number right now that yeah. um, may actually end up hurting you or end up overcharging your, your customer. Right, because right. You have to be fair. You know, this, this industry is great because all of us, all the superintendents I've ever met, considers deeply considers and cares for their client Mm -hmm. so um i know that on the minds of every super you want to charge what's fair you don't want to overcharge and part of that increase is to be fair to you it's not to be unfair to the to the to the client but it's to be fair to you yeah pricing is really hard it's super hard yeah which is why we we should Maybe talk about that on another. Yeah, but uh, just keep in mind that everything's going to go up. Um, so I should <clears throat> at least think about those raises before I start the building. Because once you get a position, I think, as a super, you stay there for a while. Yeah, I mean, right? you, you're... Even you're, if you're part-time. Right. Remember, you're, you're, that's actually a great point because these are... Buildings are long-term investments for you. Consider it a long-term investment where you're, you're putting your, your, yourself into it, your energy into it, and you're getting money in return. And this is a long-term relationship where you, 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 you're, you're, the more you put in and the more you're looked at as a valuable asset to the building, a member of the building, the more jobs you'll get, the more opportunities to do renovations or whatever extra work that you're qualified for you can get. You know, those jobs can really help you, um, the relationships that you develop there can really help you make better and better money down the road. Mm-hmm. So these are, in a way, long-term partnerships that you mm-hmm. that you create. So. Um, you want to focus on on uh, on that. Another thing I, I I say is how to make money on part time buildings is don't consider not giving your phone number to the tenants or the or the residents that live there. Um, really. Right, because at least for the money that you're making on a regular basis, your regular fees that they give you, you want to be in and out. You don't want to be. The more time you spend at the building, the less money you're making. The more energy you spend at the building, because energy really is time. The time that you spend, time is money. So what's happening is, the trend I see is that um, supers end up giving the number to the residents. The residents end up bombarding the uh, super with, um, with complaints, concerns, questions, uh, r- repair requests. 
And then next thing you know, the, the super is spending a lot of time answering these calls, um, maybe feeling pressured to go do the work. Um, you know, I'm not sure if they're even charging. Um, I think about one scenario. And what ends up happening is that you spend way too much time on, on, on handling these customer, these, uh, these resident phone calls. But isn't it my job to be responsible? You know, what if they have a leak? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, your job is, is, this is, I mean, I, I'll separate it. You can make it your job to deal with the customer service in your building. And then you're feeling, fielding every call. Or you can be responsible for everything in your building, but you're getting that information filtered through management or the landlord. The difference is that when you get the calls through the management or the landlord, um, you're getting them filtered. They're filtered in the terms of importance and what, um, um, what they expect you to take care of. Residents won't know that distinction. They'll end up asking you for everything. And, um, you know, because it's, it, it's often not clear when a resident, you know, um, when people live in a building, it's not clear what you can ask your super to do. That's so they'll, true. they'll end up asking you for everything. And yeah. once that, I heard a super that, you know, a resident asked to, to feed the cat or, you know, walk the dog. <laughs> Seriously, this happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, you're I, nice to them, right. some people do actually take advantage of you. Well, we'll t yeah, that, that reminds me of another super that we can talk about. But there's a, you're right, the, the, the being, you know, tenants or residents often don't know the line. Um, where the responsibility starts and ends for the superintendent. So they'll innocently ask them to do more, far more than, than what a super is supposed to do. And often that's not clear. So it's really up to the manager, building manager, or the landlord to get that call first and to have it trickle down. And, and also it's better that way because when a directive comes down from your client, who pays you your money, there is an honest conversation as to what is part of your work and what's additional outside the scope. That's where um, the, it, it's, the conversation can become very clear as to um, which, you know, what job he's asking that you should be paid extra for and what job shouldn't be. But if it comes from a resident, because a lot of super part-time supers and supers in general feel an obligation to take care of their um, not only the clients who are the property managers or the or the landlord, but also take care of the residents, they'll end up doing it. And landlords, their clients will never know about the deeds that they've done, the extra work that they've done, because it's often done um, without. You know, if you're getting the phone calls directly, it'll be done without. The, the knowledge or the awareness of the building manager or the, or the landlord. Yeah. And so you end up doing the work and you end up not getting the credit for it. So um, so I, I just make the communication with the building 
by build, uh, with the building managers or the landlords. And uh, what if someone asks me about um, to, to give my phone number? Well, how do, how they'll, do always, I? They'll, they'll always ask you. And the, yeah. the, the easiest way to say it is, um, um, I'm sorry, there's a chain of command here. Uh, the land, first, you got to tell the landlord uh, in the beginning. Um, part of not taking it, not taking, giving out your number to your, to your, uh, to your residents, the flip side of that, you also have to tell the property manager and the landlord that. Yeah, because the management might give out my right. number so you or have email. To make, yeah, so you make it clear that this is my personal number. Um, please, uh, please do not give it out to residents. Okay, then what, like, what, what should I say if, if the manager asks why? why? Why not? If you're asking me to take, take all your calls, I'm becoming an answering service for the building, that's a different set of responsibilities than me just cleaning the building and taking out the trash. Okay, so, uh, what, if, what if I'm taking the emergency service too and manager is saying, oh, you, you should, it's, it's part of your job, you should be taking these calls. I, what's a uh, well, nice way to say um, you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to well there are some some of the things that I think is that you know based on my experience it's better to get the call from the manager or the landlord because like a leak if there's a leak there are many people involved like there's a leak from third floor, then the, the people from the second floor and first floor are calling me, and you, know, you I kind of get confused with the situation. I can't take you know five different phone calls at one time. So to make the communications clear, I just want to get the phone call from from the management oh, and, and the landlord. I think that might be a better way because you're focusing on the, be the benefit to the landlord yeah. to have that phone call go through them. It's, yeah, that could, be, that could be clear too. And uh, it reminds me of um, landlords that have uh, said, um, you, you know, whenever, you know, uh, landlords have said, Whenever there's work in the building and a tenant asks you to do it, ask me first, they say. Right. And it's because um, I think there's an expectation that you're gonna, they're going to charge extra for that, for that service. So um, rather than being hit with a bill that's for all, these work, all this work that a tenant has asked for directly, um, the landlord is saying, let me approve them first. So I can say also, you know, I don't want to um, overcharge you or I don't want to surprise you with a bill. Yeah, you can say that. Um, yeah. So I would rather have the residents call you and you decide if I should come in or not. Right, right, right. That's actually better, a much better way. Great job. <laughs> but yeah, that, I think that's great also because, yeah, we, we've... I've been in situations before where, in the beginning, where I charged for work without the consent of the owner, or the landlord, and I ended up doing a significant amount of work and then charging back. And then, of course, the, the response was, 
why am I paying for this? I never approved it. And then you end up, you know, it becomes an uncomfortable situation for everybody. So what happens now, what I learned from them was, let them know first. Let, you know, call the landlord, let them know that this needs to be done and, and get that approval first. And so when you talk to the landlord, when you make the calls come to the landlord, the, the benefit to the landlord is that the landlord gets a screen all the all the all the work requests, and how it helps you, of course, is that if you're the part-time super, you really don't want to be bombarded with, you know, um, um, calls from every every resident in the building for big and small uh, yeah. issues. That's true. And if I have a lot of part-time buildings. I'm confused with the with the rules because all the rules are different by building. Some things um, residents pay, some you know, some work the landlord pays. So, like I, I can't keep track of all of those. So, I think it's better for the management to let me know to right. do this or do that, right? Or the or the landlord. Yeah, I de definitely. Um, when you take when you're juggling more buildings and you have all of these rules in your head, you're gonna you're gonna mess up on one of them. So, um, and then you're gonna end up in a in a situation where you're doing something that you are not supposed to do. Um, yeah, especially emergencies. It's it's emergency. So uh, you want to get the work done to right. to prevent bigger repairs or dangerous situations. So I might end up doing something that kind of breaks breaks the rules right. or you know, I thought the landlord was responsible for the bill, but tenants actually responsible for for this bill in this building and now I have to chase the tenant to get the get the money and it becomes becomes really um, pain in the butt. Right. So uh, don't, I guess the, the lesson here is not to... To give out your, number. give out your number. It's so easily. Yeah. So we talked about a lot of things today. One last one I have here. Oh, you do? <laughs> wow, that's a lot of tips know, you have. It. So one, one thing that, one last one that I, I was thinking of was uh, work as a team Consider work as, working as a team with other supers. Yeah, make friends. Make friends because um, you know everyone has a sick day or a down day or a, you know a personal day that they want to take, and you want to be able to take those days without having to sacrifice um, your your customers or your clients' uh, services, right? That's true. And you want to be able to. Um, you know, working as a team, you know, people always think, oh, you know, if I work as a team, I'm sacrificing on my quality of work or I'm losing out on, on income. But you're able, on the flip side, you're able to take on more work if you work as a team and you're able to collaborate, which is collaboration is always, always a good thing. Um, sharing experiences, figuring out problems to maintenance, uh, solutions to maintenance problems. Um, you know, all that becomes easier to do when you have a colleagues that you can you can ask questions and rely on and rely on. So when you work when you work as a team with other supers, 
and let's say you have a down day and you're building, uh, instead of having to come in when you're really sick or you're tired, you, if you're working with a team and they can take care of that garbage to trash and recycling for the day and the cleaning for the day and give you a breather. Yeah, and I can, I can take, take uh, their cleaning when yeah, they're sick right, and right. yeah, it's give and take. Yeah, so, so, those are, so those are the things that I think you should consider when you're taking on a building um, and you're looking at the building as, as ultimately a profitable uh, work model versus one that you're losing money, you're losing energy, you're losing time. Um, so you should think out, think of it, you know, look at it, look at every building that you have as part of your larger strategy right. on, on conserving as much of that as possible. Okay, it sounds good. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. Okay, take care, everyone. Bye.